Hi, welcome to the Angler Hot Seat Podcast. I'm Janice Min, your host today with Sean McNulty. Hi, Sean. Hey, Janice. Hey, and Richard Rushfield and Tatiana Siegel, who are both now back uh, back home from the Toronto Film Festival. Hi to you both. Hi, Janice. Hi. Hello there. Hello. Please remember to like and follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and subscribe to The Angler at theangler.com for the full suite of newsletters and podcasts. Um, and follow us on Twitter and socials at The Angler. Um, so we have a bunch of topics to discuss today. I just want to briefly, because I don't want to talk about streaming anymore, but we're going to. So I did this ridiculous exercise and I went on people.com. <laughs> so Nice. Yeah. So, and by the way, that was my very first job in magazine. I, I know. Could you go yeah, on? Yeah. Let me know. I was listen. like 23 this... years old. So, okay. So I'm just going to read you some of these headlines um, and <laughs> just for some distraction here. Um, uh, okay. Nick Cannon welcomes baby number nine. Yep. <laughs> He's prolific. <laughs> um, let's see. Courtney Kardashian becomes the sustainability ambassador with Boo Hoo. Do we know what Boo Hoo is? Uh, uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around sustainability ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> and why she was chosen for that role. Well, yes. so I. I'm sure you saw the Twitter outrage, which, of course, I think we've all learned we shouldn't follow Twitter outrage. But the last people.com headline I want to talk about, which dovetails into the more businessy conversation we're going to have, um, is Quinta Brunson, the creator and star of Abbott Elementary. Um, she and Jimmy Kimmel made up because there was beef or ill will at the Emmys. And uh, Tatiana, do you want to explain what that was since apparently nobody really watched the Emmys? <laughs> Uh, including me, but uh, I, I gleaned from uh, <laughs> coverage of this feud that he did not leave the stage after she won and kind of, you know, like it was like a haha, like I'm not leaving and um, kind of disrespectful to her as somebody who had just won. And um, so they made up. Right. And, and I'm sure it was not orchestrated by ABC at all that <laughs> that Quinta would come on Jimmy Kimmel's show and they would and have a crash his uh his monologue yes. or something <laughs> right uh, uh -huh. yeah okay. I very very orchestrated very choreographed I'm sure and um you know they needed a little buzz so they, I guess this is, this is what you get it's no slap but they got some buzz Yes. I, I I I did watch the show, unfortunately, and 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 actually saw that moment and had no idea there was any controversy or where <laughs> it happened. So uh, they couldn't even uh, market their controversy well. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so going back to the Emmys now. Um, so Sean, I saw you're in a podcast with with Sunny Bunch that made it up today and it had a headline which i'm sure is going to get a lot of audience but not me about about the nfl and so this this kind of richard did a column this week uh about, i think the headline was like rushfield's emmys who are they even for um and talking about um how and Richard, it really was. Well, you tell us what it was about. I'm... Well, so the the Emmys now are down to five point six million viewers. So it's uh, 
it's 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 kind of a rerun of two and a half men level at this point um and dis- despite this they continue to to not only not only honor shows most most shows that are on streaming and are seen by relatively small numbers of, of people uh and ignore the show ignore you know you have Yellowstone out there which is probably the biggest phenomenon in TV since Game of Thrones um is, is a huge thing and was uh, as as we've noted unmentioned on the show um so not only do they do that but they re- they reward, reward the same unwatched shows year after year so it's 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 not just it's not just uh obscure it's obscure and predictable okay but they're not unwatched they're watched by people like us right so i mean and they they are beloved by i mean white lotus succession are two of my favorite shows of all time um but i think one of the graphics you showed in your story that got shared a lot on social media um probably speaks to sean's heart um as an nfl fan and this i think this became part of the topic of with of your talk with sunny bunch and um sean do you recall what this graphic was did you see it yeah it, it, it dominates the coast is california and new england was kind of you know the the search terms for i think it was uh, emmys for and emmys and monday night football and you know everybody else was searching for monday night football or sunday night football wait no monday night football no, monday night football yeah it was a monday game uh yeah you know i mean the the monday night football game got four times the audience of the emmys you know there you, that's your headline that's it yeah, that's all were, you need to know i counted the number of states it was seven states who that had right. uh, a higher search for emmys and the states were uh you'll not be surprised it was california new york illinois uh virginia yeah virginia which you know could have gone dc probably yeah yeah uh new jersey connecticut uh yeah right so So. (laughs) there you (laughs) you go. go exactly um what did you talk about regarding the nfl with sunny uh i mean you know we're sitting here recording so today on thursdays the premiere of you know uh thursday night football on amazon says the first time the nfl's ever dedicated a there have been games on streaming one-off games but not a full you know kind of franchise to streaming uh and everybody's kind of curious how this is going to go uh it's the first time that Nielsen's really rating a streaming service uh, because Nielsen Amazon had to pay Nielsen to rate their show because advertisers, you know, they, they spent a billion dollars a year on this Janice. So, and advertising is a bigger part of Amazon's business and they need to, they have advertisers because it should be a, like a proper, you know, TV broadcast just on streaming. So the advertisers want Nielsen to rate it because they're not going to trust Amazon's numbers. So this is the first time Amazon is going to give you essentially an overnight on of a streaming service broadcast. Oh, so okay. that'll happen later tomorrow. You probably, I, mean, I assume the timeline is the same. I don't really know. Um, you know, so probably later tomorrow afternoon, later Friday afternoon, this goes up on Friday. There should be an overnight number uh, saying, you know, as as NBC, Fox, ABC, and there'll be an Amazon Prime for the Chiefs and uh, Chargers game, and it'll have a regular old Nielsen number for a streaming service. So that's kind of the big thing. Tatiana? Uh, I was going to say, by the way, I, I'm a football fan like Sean, um, and I plan to watch it tonight, but I've always struggled with, like, uh, accessing the 
you know, like I, I see the ad or I see it comes up on my home screen, but I've never been able to actually successfully click on something that was live on Amazon. I think this will be, I mean, this, they spent a billion dollars here. They will, out, I hope. they will make, they will make sure that, uh, yeah, you can, uh, do one, one click watch, you know, back to the way the, their one click model. They did a test run of this during a preseason game a few weeks back, Janice, to kind of work out those kinks. So whatever they've done, uh, at that point, I'm, I'm, I'm Tatiana, I'm with you. And I think all eyes, Janice are two on streaming. Will there be any tech glitches? Will this go off like it was on NBC or ABC? Because if people, you think people get pissed about, you know, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, you know, not pausing or whatever. Try doing that to a live football game. You exactly. Know, so, wait, could, so Sean, clarify for me: is there sure is there advertising? Yeah, um, no, okay, no, so it's like a regular broadcast. It's a like regular, regular okay, broadcast. Okay, yeah, Amazon okay. is sold advertising. That's part of the reason to get some of their billion dollars back. Um, so it's like a regular. I said like a regular TV broadcast. There will be State Farm ads and whatever else, whatever other ads. You know, Tatiana see ad nauseum every. <laughs> Lots every of pharmaceutical Sunday. ads. Right. Yeah. Well, she see what they, you know. I'm sure some Lord of the Rings ads will be in there. Um, Car so, commercials. Exactly. And these games will be locally simulcast, Janice. In the so in LA, you guys can actually watch it on a local TV channel which is with the NFL rules say whenever it's uh, on cable or not on broadcast, you have to provide a fee to the local cities. So LA chargers and Kansas city will have a local feed and that feed will feature the Amazon feed. So it has all the ads of Amazon, which they pointed out today that like, Oh, our ads are still being broadcast in the local markets where you get the biggest audience in theory, the people in LA and Kansas city care the most about this game. So it's a new, it's just a new, it's really a new it's not an experiment it's a new era and it's like okay let's see how this goes uh and i want to get to toronto because tatiana had some really interesting yeah. observations I, about toronto but <laughs> seconded seconded yes, yes questions but, but i just want to raise the point uh about um there being objective measurement by nielsen of the mm. football game because you wrote a column this week uh sean also about uh i mean i would say ridiculing in some ways the um the this battle for a winner or loser um in the game of thrones uh house of the dragon versus lord of the rings the rings of power <laughs> yes fight. you got it nice the, dra- the dragon duel or i think you called it dragon um, uh, dragon battle yeah dragon battle um and that that the that the impossibility of these sort of made up metrics it makes this whole like I think you call it a phantom limb that Hollywood wants a winner and loser and sometimes when people are self reporting you just can't get that. Yeah, streaming's ruined it. I mean, you know, they're going to report what they want to report, and they have no obligation and no inclination to give you the data that you want. They don't even quantify what a viewer a view is. If I watch two minutes of it or if I watch an hour of it, so I have, you know, you have no idea about in terms of like what's the most popular Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, which is essentially what we're looking for here. You're never, you're never going to know. Like you can dice, you know, as many. Samba TV numbers and attendant, all these other little sources, but you know, we all grew up in an era where it was ER versus Chicago Hope. That's it, thirty million to twenty. Well, ER won. Done. We're all we all agreed. We all reported it was third party verified. This is all over in streaming. So this kind of, it's you know, it's it's just the fun of the business. Richard, go ahead. But how how is that good for anyone other than 
Amazon. Right. Uh, it's great for Amazon and HBO. Yeah, exactly right. It's, it's good for Amazon and HBO executives in the short term. They know the answer, but they're in, not, you know, that's it. In the long term, is it is it is it good for them to have creators that have no idea whether their show did well or did better than this other one or did worse? Or is that is that really gonna gonna help them uh make the best shows there? It's an existential question, Richard, and I don't know that we know the answer to it. Um, it certainly you don't have the kind of leverage you would have if you were if your agent could point ask their you. agent. Yeah, I mean, tell tell me tell me a form of the arts uh, that has prospered since uh, since the invention of theater uh, or cave paintings from having no audience feedback. <laughs> The cave painting people were brutal, Richard. You don't want that feedback. They were they were really <laughs> tough crowd. Tough crowd. <laughs> Clubbed in the head. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Richard, wasn't there a cave painting reference in um Bros, if I'm not mistaken? Oh, callback. There was, that's right. They, yeah. they 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 cited the first uh gay cave gay gay cave painting going back. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's a funny. A gaze nice. painting. Um, okay. yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. It sound, uh, sound like it was a real thing. I, I, I haven't looked that up since seeing it, but um, <laughs> well, you know, so entertainment strategy guy finished his uh he did he finished his um American viewer series and he posted his last one um, a little before we jumped uh into this podcast, but he there were two things I thought were great in it. Um that he, he wrote about and one of them about ratings he says without ratings most creatives were freed in the age of streaming from the pesky constraints of public accountability um, as a result they often turn to either cocktail parties something richard talks about or even less representatively tv critics when deciding what to green light um, and then he quotes someone um it's a little it's a little convoluted but he, this quote the biggest problem with hollywood is that almost all of us work behind gates and live behind gates whereas nearly all of the audience does not so anyway um i mean we're gonna keep i don't want to keep hammering on the same theme of that of his audience view uh the american viewer series but well, richard though, how we, we talked about this a bit this week richard you were, we were kind of joking that you know back in the network tv days you got notes about like when the joke didn't work on nielsen and like you know i think the minutia was like writers were getting noted to death with the data right richard we're kind of like talking like and now it's like they don't even tell you anything about it so it's kind of reversed they have more data but there's no it's a black hole yeah it's a black hole it's like this big irony of like you know but before they'd say well it 820 you guys lost you know 0.4 you know like the famously the dana carvey show when it premiered on abc uh and and you know the 90s or it was and it's like they did a joke and they just saw like the the nielsen's went like in the toilet and they said you can't do this anymore like you oh, know minute, like, those were minute by minutes minute by right? minute exactly and yeah. that was the old way that the business operated now it's like the exact reverse where it's like how we doing yeah you're fine like your, that's only metric, your, your only metric is am i making the executive happy according to some uh scale known only to to him or her uh and guess and guess who that uh, arrangement uh guess who enjoys that arrangement the executive right because uh you uh, they they control everything and and if you're a great creator now you're only your only objective you don't you're not worrying about pleasing the audience anymore you're worrying about pleasing this 
three or four people who but your i mean pilates, is- your, your pilates class uh classmates or something <laughs> but but there is one metrics that is still relevant and that's the stock price of mm-hmm. all of these places and if the stock price goes down there has to be accountability like well you keep putting on things that um you know no nobody's watching or you keep uh, streaming things that no one's really responding to. And that's why we only have one Yellowstone or, well, we have five Yellowstones, I guess, because <laughs> <laughs> there are many spinoffs, but, but, you know, I, like, why hasn't somebody done an article on who passed on Yellowstone before, you know, oh, like it was it, developed it, for HBO. It but, was. Yeah. There we yeah. Okay. Harvey Weinstein. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. despite that, <laughs> we we still like that show. I do. Um, uh, but you know, Sean, you made the point, and I think um, Tatiana talks about the wall. You know, the Wall Street factor in here, mm. but that that it really does come down to. And these are things that probably are never relayed to creators, but the uh, subscriber acquisition off anyone's show, and you make the point in your column about the dragon showdown or whatever we called it um that um that stranger things for oh my god biggest series you know known to man yet netflix lost subscribers in that same quarter they had the worst quarter ever really yeah. uh so you know look it could have been a lot worse without it you can make that argument obviously you know, I mean, we will never know that and they've even intimated that on their earnings call in the second quarter was like yeah this kind of <laughs> we were going kind of in a, you know whatever until late late may um you know and look you know and i made you know a lot of people were like engagement really matters it shows people were new but i'm like in the end you make money by getting subscribers how do you yeah. make money broadcast tv made money by getting audience and selling ads that is not the model. I mean, we're getting ads more now, but not the model of streaming. Streaming is how many people are paying you and how much are they paying you? Right. That is it. So, like, example, this quarter brim right now, Amazon has Lord of the Rings and has Thursday Night Football. Which one's adding all this? They'll know which they'll know which one the tick up is. They're not telling anybody. So as a from the outside in, it's a little uh, not frustrating. I don't know, Tatiana, what what are you what is your vibe on this? I think we, we will glean the information from uh, what kind of deal they cut with the NFL three <laughs> years from now or something, what was important. And uh, the Tolkien estate will, will have an idea, maybe. Um, sure. I, I mean, like, can, by the way, can anyone do The Hobbit? Remind me, Tatiana, why can't someone do The Hobbit or why has not has someone not been able to? I don't think Amazon got the rights to The Hobbit, so one would think they're still out there and available for... Um, you know, Peacock (laughs) 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 for Peacock to launch its, uh, you know, big signature show. I think the rights are just sold actually Saul Zantz, the the producer, the Tolkien estate rights. And the Weinstein brothers had both got two and a half percent of gross, um, whatever the gross was on a box office. And I looked into like high and low, whether they were profiting still from this Amazon series. And I'm told no, 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 no. But I still don't understand how not because that they had an ironclad two and a half percent each 5%. Wait, so Tatiana question for you before we talk about Toronto is does Harvey Weinstein profit off Yellowstone today? Um, that is a very complicated answer. No, I th- I believe okay. no, but uh, but 
But there, one could make an argument that he could or he should or, you know, that whole bankruptcy was so was such a black hole. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, Okay. Speaking of black holes, um, (laughs) let's talk about the Toronto Film Festival, Um, because you came back with sort of this meta, these meta themes that I don't think I think got lost in the incremental coverage. Yeah. So I I kept saying to Richard, I after uh, Richard kept everything spontaneous for me, but there was no spontaneity at the festival because they choreographed everything to within an inch of its life. You had all of these. And this is different. This is different than it used to be. Yes. That's what I was told because so I went to the Harry Styles premiere for my policeman. And obviously we are coming off of a huge Harry Styles premiere in Venice, making international headlines with don't worry, darling. And that festival, Venice had like a real press conference where, you know, I think the questions weren't vetted in advance. In this case, Uh they were vetted in advance. And then at the premiere itself, um, Afterwards, there was a Q&A. Like, so I'm there for the q and I'm not really there for the movie. I'm, you know, is he going to say anything interesting? And it was six minutes long. He took one question. <gasps> Everyone else took other questions. And it was like the most benign, like, you know, how'd you bond with your, your castmates? Answered it like in three sentences. And the moderator literally said, well, some of you have planes to catch. And I was like, wow. what? Literal <laughs> question and like, answer, right? <laughs> right. Not plural, singular question and a answer. Q right? and yeah. A Q and A. Q and A. And he is going out on a private jet, so that can wait, one would think, for you know a good, robust half an hour Q and A. So I started asking people. I was like, was that normal? And uh, I was told it was happening at all of the Q and A's, like the Spielberg uh, Fablemans. It was all the questions were vetted in advance, and I thought, and and I'm told this is new. This is not something that has been kind of done in the past, and it's sort of like an erosion of the ability to report at a festival because everything is sort of like very tightly packaged and wound up and you're not going to get any missteps or people saying something that becomes like a viral moment. Right. That overshadows the project. Right. Exactly. I, nobody exactly. spit, no, no spit, nobody spits on anybody. You know, it's just, where's the fun? I mean, where, come on. You know. given, given the debacle at, at Venice the week yeah. before, <laughs> I could see why press conferences uh, wouldn't be their favorite thing in the world. Uh, right. Point. But, and I asked that, I said, is this a result, a direct result of the don't worry, darling debacle? And it was kind of like, not sure was the consensus. But you also have Steven, Steven Spielberg, who doesn't do like mobs of people yelling questions at him. Mm-hmm. So, he, so you, have, well, you have him there for the first time. And Taylor Swift also had something choreographed, right? Yes, like um, Cameron Bailey, the CEO of TIFF, did the Q&A with her after her short film um, aired, uh, premiered. And uh, the que- he said, oh, and now we'll take a couple of questions from YouTube, uh, the YouTube audience. And like they were as, you know, as softball as you could right. get. What like- makes you so great? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and to every question she would answer, like, 
you know, like, thank you so much for asking that. And, um, and, you know, it was all very polite, but I was waiting for that moment where somebody steps on a landmine and says, you know, like, I love working with Woody Allen and I'd work with him again, or, you know, like something like that. That's what you want. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, so is this just like a reflection of the fear in the industry or is this just the moment we're in where there have been so many you know because of venice like what do you think was behind the the vibe shift as people say these days i think journalists are allowing this and it, it you know this is kind of what the uh the hfpa versus the publicists was all about the hf the hfpa would you know all get to interview these people and the publicists or certain publicists did not like that they could ask anything and they wanted it much more controlled and they didn't like that there was this room for something to happen which could get you canceled get you whatever get you a viral moment and um you know i'm hearing stories from other journalists now at other publications um where they're being told sure you can interview such and such A-list star, uh, the questions will have to be put to us via uh, in advance and we will answer them via email. Look, wow. like, no, no, don't bother. Like, do not bother. And journalists, I feel like, have to push back on this. Yeah, I mean, shame on any journalist that accepts that and, and <laughs> sells it as an interview. So, Wow, so it, it became kind of just like festival theater, right? The appearance of a... Of- a loose festival environment that didn't actually have the loose part. Um, yeah. But the, but it also wasn't in terms of film sales successful. I mean, would, would well, there, you... was, there was one big sale that came yesterday. Uh, the uh, focus features brought, bought this movie, how to blow up a, a pipeline for $30 million, which is a, a for focus movie. is huge. Yeah. And well, they, for, no, they bought the, is the Giamatti movie. Not that was the, um, like Alexander Payne would be Alexander Payne. Right. Yeah. Neon Neon Focus bought the Alexander Payne. Al- yeah. Neon bought how to blow up a pipeline, which for an right. undisclosed amount. Undisclosed yeah. amount, yes. Global rights. Which did you guys see or Tatiana, did you see that? Or I know it got some I saw some buzz around it, but that was uh but, no, there yeah. was huge buzz, and okay. uh, Richard had a friend. Um, I don't know if he's a friend. Uh, I think a friend <laughs> who told you that uh, <laughs> that it was uh, uh, the 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 best directorial debut since Reservoir Dogs. Quentin Tarantino. Oh my god! It actually wasn't the guy's first movie; it's his second. But still, you know, very super impressive. Huh. Every people were talking about it. It was funny how the headlines uh, differed. Some called it. Um, uh, an environmental thriller or an environmental theme thriller, and some called it an eco terrorist. Eco terrorist, yeah, that's that's yeah, that was the word. I, I think well. the, the 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 title sort of uh, lends itself to the latter, uh, but <laughs> it sounded like the plot of the movie, so I was like, okay, that's pretty much on on the nose. But uh, yeah, yeah, but neon eco terrorist sounds better, by the way. Environmental <laughs> theme sounds like uh, an inconvenient truth. Number yeah. three it sounds like medicine, even yeah. though it's an important topic. It sounds like homework. Um, uh, okay, well, um, really interesting stuff out of Toronto. Um, I think 
to wrap this up, I thought I could ask Sean, because he talked about this this morning, this sort of, um, he called it Kabuki Theater, CEO Kabuki Theater going on at that Goldman Sachs conference, where there's lots of sort of silverback gorilla chest thumping and posturing um, that gives us some, uh, maybe, lay some breadcrumbs about what might be happening next in uh, streaming. We're still talking about it. Uh, well, that's the business now, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, this is the next chapter. After, if you enjoyed Sun Valley, uh, welcome to the, Gold, the Goldman Sachs conference. Uh, mm-hmm. So this was uh, Bob Shapebeck is all the, the CEOs come and do this conference, investor Goldman Sachs investor conference. So they all get up on stage separately. They're not together. So heaven, heaven forbid they all got on a stage together. Uh, Did he grow the beard, by the way, for this conference? No, I well, the beard, uh, because it was a D23, was the big Bob Shapek beard premiere. Uh, uh-huh. according, <laughs> according to the New York Times, that was a summer beard, a summer vacation beard that the their new head of comms suggested he keep in order to be a little more accessible man of the people. I don't, whatever you want to, you know, uh, Uh he was, had a lovely tan and then the beard looked, you know, so they said, why don't you keep it? So he kept it. Uh, how long it's staying Tatiana? I don't know. We'll see how, uh, yeah, I guess that's received. (laughs) Um, but essentially, so, you know, as we all elephant in the room of, of streaming is, you know, there's a deadline of 2024 Comcast owns one third of Hulu. Disney owns the other two thirds. There's a trigger clause set for 2024 where essentially Disney has to buy pay buy out Comcast for 27 billion dollars at least. That's a floor price, uh, and the valuation has to be determined by someone. So, what's the value of a streaming service when nobody sells a streaming service? The comps are not there. So, this is like we're at you know, and third quarter 2022. These questions are coming up, and now these guys are kind of dancing around it with Bob saying, Bob Chapek saying, you know, Disney Hulu would be a great addition to the Disney Plus app, essentially to fold into it, and you know, we're he loves the Hulu business now and and you have brian roberts who's the head of comcast being like well it should have a fair auction and if there's an auction we would be interested in you know in in, in said auction so it's just which is com- by the way not a very strong endorsement for peacock uh yeah like we'd be interested <laughs> at the right price <laughs> one thing is it was like it's a 15-year legacy service was a very successful track right he was very pr- praising uh who is in his description of it tatiana so yeah exactly so it's a public negotiation going on well right it's a kabuki theater was the term yeah you and i yeah. you know, to discuss that it's like yeah it's kind of saying something without saying anything um so this is the next chapter in that and this is kind of the first time they're addressing it in public we will see in the third quarter earnings calls at the end of october and early november if they're asked about it and if this becomes more of a topic of conversation or they're just going to say we got nothing to say so wait but isn't didn't isn't hulu also potentially getting folded into disney plus well, they have, but uh, Disney has to buy it. They, they, they until Before they own all happen. of it. Okay. Yeah, that's so, why. That's why Hulu exists as it does now because you have two owners. Disney right. can't put it into Disney Plus. They, Got they, it. That's, okay. But Chapek essentially Chapek is saying like, listen, we want to get this deal done now. He said, "quote If there's a reasonable offer, right? Okay. Comcast being like, <laughs> so that's what I mean. It's a little, it's a little uh, subtle tennis game. That's you know, kind of what was on stage for two different panels. So this is like this. Okay, but also, isn't it a little bit? I love Hulu so much. I'm going to smother it and put it inside Disney Plus. 
Yeah, and this is part of the consult, you know, with the yeah. Paramount and Showtime, Showtime now being available to stream inside of uh, of Paramount Plus. They want to have Hulu. It wouldn't necessarily be added into the Disney Plus subscription, but that you can go into Disney Plus, the app, and just watch Hulu within it versus having to have a separate Hulu app and a separate login and a separate, you know, all this other stuff. So that's what he wants to do first, whether they actually fold it into a Disney plus subscription would be another thing, but um, yeah, that's the thing he'd love to get them under the same app. So you're not, you know, again, just, everybody hates having 15 apps. So how do well, we get it this? It looks like we're well down? on our way to everyone having three apps in a couple of years. Probably, that's the, right? Janice, that is the goal. They're, you've just <laughs> nailed it right there. That's exactly what's going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I like my Hulu. I just started season five. Uh, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Yep. That Handmaid's dropped. Tale. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and and? It's, I mean, I've watched 10 minutes. Um, oh. and it, it, it was very good, though. And it's, I, this, I just... uh, this season's a really upbeat. Uh... <laughs> this is when it all turns around. <laughs> the sitcom. And, yeah. uh... <laughs> There's a laugh track now. It's, it's like... really strange. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Creative choice. They got bored. It's season five. Like, let's, <laughs> let's change this up. Flip the script. <laughs> um, all right. Um, well, I think we hit i think we hit on the the hollywoody talking points of the week right i think think Uh, so except for the only thing i can think of late breaking john peters did joe rogan today oh boy i cannot wait to listen to this although i'm told the first thing he said like literally the first thing he said was i haven't done an interview in 30 years (laughs) and i'm like hello (laughs) wow yeah Wow, I, I still love John, but I've okay, definitely so, done two interviews with him. Oh. Uh, I mean, <laughs> oh, great interviews, different. like with yeah. a gun on the table, and it wasn't yeah. yours. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tatiana left hers at home. It was, you know, it's like, you know, how, how rude of you. Yeah. And um, it was loaded. Uh, well, yeah. Boy, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't ask any impertinent questions when you're with John Peters. Apparently, Sub- don't submit go off your the list script. ahead of time. You know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wait, but Tatiana, I'm just curious. How does Joe Rogan know who John Peters is? That just seems. I mean, he's had like Biden and Zuckerberg, and like you know. I mean, um, it, he's a, John Peters is definitely a Hollywood figure of you know of a different generation. Even though he still makes a lot of money off movies today, but what? How did that come I about? Joe, I'm, I'm guessing Joe Rogan saw Licorice Pizza and was like, right, wait, who's that guy? Yeah. Let's get this guy on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and, and he, like, he sort of does dovetail with the Rogan brand in that, like, John Peters cannot be canceled. Like, he, he, he's that sort of post cancellation, uh, yeah. Guy. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um, okay. Well, thanks for throwing that bit in so we can all, uh, listen which i know joe rogan episodes are sometimes like two hours Three, long yeah, clear, clear your schedule Janice. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> the flight to singapore sean we're listening to that <laughs> <Exactly>. one <laughs> um, a very long workout yeah exactly <laughs> um okay uh richard tatiana sean great to see you as always um remember to um like and follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast thank you all for listening and subscribe to the angler at the we'll see you back here next week week.